name is Ronnie Grayer, and this is the Monthly Safety Podcast for March and April of 2012. First, a little bit about me. I've been a Greyhound driver now for the past 21 years. I've been in the driver instructor program for the past seven, and I currently drive out of Syracuse, New York. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you aboard. A lot of stuff going on this month. I'd like to first talk about the end of the Megabus situation here in Syracuse. For those of you that may not be aware, in September of 2010, a 13-foot, two-tall, double-decker Van Hole Megabus struck a 10-foot, nine bridge uh, in Syracuse at approximately uh, 3 a.m., and four people were unfortunately killed in that accident. Since then, there's been a lot of attention focused on the driver and on the bridge and uh, a lot of things going on. And it's finally come to a head. The driver did finally go to trial, uh, facing four charges of criminally negligent homicide, and he was found not guilty on those charges. And I'd like to read a little bit um, uh, about the trial from the judge and the reaction from the press and so on. Uh, This is from the uh, Syracuse.com, the Syracuse newspaper's website, dated February 28th of 2012. Uh, uh, Excuse me, Megabus driver John Tomaszewski was found not guilty today in connection with the 2010 crash on the Onondaga Lake Parkway that killed four passengers on his bus. County Judge Anthony Alloy ruled from the bench that there was simply no evidence Tomaszewski acted in a criminal manner required to find him guilty of felony charges of criminally negligent homicide. The judge also ruled that there was insufficient evidence to find Tomaszewski guilty of a charge of failure to obey a traffic control device. The judge quickly added his acquittal of Tomaszewski on the criminal charges was in no way amount to diminish the tragedy that resulted in the loss of four lives. Quote, there is no way to compensate for the loss and heartbreak or to provide closure, end quote, Alloy said in announcing his verdict shortly after 11 a.m. Quote, there is no closure when you lose a child, end quote, he added. Alloy said he did not believe the lives lost in the crash were in vain, given the attention the crash focused on the low CSX railroad bridge over the parkway and the dangers it has posed for years to high vehicles. Quote, there should be a permanent solution to that inherently dangerous CSX bridge, end quote, the judge said. And this is some of the stuff that really frustrates uh, a lot of us, myself included, that so much attention has been focused or paid to this inanimate object, this dangerous bridge, if you will. The low bridge somehow caused this whole unfortunate situation, and if we take away the bridge, we take away the problem, and of course nothing could be further from the truth. Let me go on and read a little bit more from this article before I continue to give you my thoughts on it. Authorities said Tomaszewski was driving the double-decker bus from Philadelphia to Toronto with a scheduled stop at the Regional Transportation Center in Syracuse the morning of September 11, 2010. When he missed the exit from Interstate 81 to Park Street and the Transportation Center. That put him on the parkway, a road he had never driven before. Within two to three minutes of leaving I-81, the bus slammed into the bridge over the parkway about 2.2 miles from the interstate. And again, um, for those of you that are not familiar with it, if you haven't heard it before on the podcast, there are 12 signs indicating the low bridge, including flashing strobe lights. And this happened at approximately, again, 3 a.m., So uh, certainly there was uh, lots of indication that there was a low bridge ahead. Um, The prosecutor contended that blameworthy conduct consisted of um, Tomaszewski being distracted by a personal GPS device while driving past 13 signs uh, warning of the low bridge ahead. 
Interestingly enough, according to this article, the judge also took issue with the warning validity of many of the signs along the roadway. While some make reference to a 10-foot-9 clearance, they did not specifically indicate the presence of a low bridge ahead, Aloy said. Quote, These, those signs simply do not constitute a warning or that there's a 10-foot-9 bridge ahead, end quote, Aloy said. So this is the judge, uh, like many in the general public, saying, well, you know, it's an accident. It's one of those things. He didn't do it on purpose, and he has to live with the consequences of four people dying. And I, I just have a very, very hard time with this uh, whole situation. But it's been resolved, so I guess um, we have to move on from it. Um, the only thing we can take from this is that we obviously need to realize that uh, for our drivers, we have a great responsibility transporting human lives, um, and there's no greater responsibility than that. We have to be aware of our surroundings, uh, use caution, and if you get in a situation where you find yourself temporarily off-route, if you will, you're not sure where you're going, um, it's always a good idea to stop and try to gather your thoughts. Um, we don't use personal GPS devices in the bus. That's against the company policy. Um, it also falls in line with the track the driving rules. So please uh, read your road signs if you're in an unfamiliar area, or even if you're in a familiar area, go ahead and uh, always be aware of things like overhead clearances, weight limits, and restrictions on large vehicles. Um, so that closes this chapter in this whole saga with the megabus collision that was uh, almost two years ago to this day. Now I'd like to talk about a topic that continues to be a concern for us as professional drivers, and that is the CSA. Uh, we've got it from Greyhound Compliance, Safety, and Accountability. But it's actually uh, from the FMCSA, and that acronym stands for Comprehensive Safety Analysis. I'm going to read from the Safe Side Bulletin from February from the Safety Department, and it says the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration has implemented its Safety Scoring System, CSA. This system not only affects the safety score for Greyhound, but will affect drivers' safety score when it comes to DOT compliance. Direct intervention by the FMCSA with the driver will occur when a driver exceeds the point limit, excuse me, the point limit assigned for their peer group. To avoid intervention by the DOT, it is critical that drivers perform a proper pre-trip inspection before departing and observe safe driving habits while on the road. You must be sure to have your current CDL and medical card in your possession and keep your logbook up to date to the last change of duty status and route roadside inspections can take place with buses only if unsafe conditions exist. The number one cause for a driver to be stopped for a roadside inspection is due to speeding. Also random inspections may be conducted at way stations, garages, and terminal locations. It is the responsibility of every driver to inspect their bus before departing and to operate the bus in a safe manner on the roadway. Remember, your reputation as a professional driver is at stake and the DOT will hold you accountable when you do not drive safely. This is something that we've been um, dealing with since December of 2010, uh, CSA 2010, and it's becoming more of a concern for us because in the past, the FMCSA uh, looked at uh, Greyhound overall. They looked at carriers. They didn't focus so much on drivers, and now they're focusing both on carriers and drivers individually, and uh, when drivers uh, have negative roadside inspections when they have points assessed against them in the CSA database that affects both the driver and the company as a whole and there is a threshold that we're not we cannot go above and if we do we face uh, intervention intervention by the FMCSA and the possibility of even being shut down and that's become a serious concern 
And having said that, I'd like to read this memo from Myron Watkins, Vice President of Customer Experience, and this is dated March 13th of 2012, also in regard to CSA. It reads, as all of our professional Greyhound coach operators should now be aware, CSA 2010 has had a significant impact on our business. CSA has tied the actions of operators and the actions of the company together. We are now both subject to the same measuring stick, which, ha which can have a significant impact on us. When an operator receives a CSA violation, that violation affects both the operator's record and becomes part of the cumulative CSA record for the company. When the company accumulates a certain level of violations, our Greyhound score will dip to an unacceptable CSA level. The public will see the CSA status of the company identified as unacceptable. The effect on our business and our ability to compete in a very competitive market can be severely negatively impacted. During the last few months, a small number of operators have had enough violations to place Greyhound's overall score at risk. The bottom line is the actions of a few are increasingly putting our score, reputation, and competitive position in jeopardy. For the vast majority of professional coach operators who have been doing the right thing, the company wants to thank you and ask that you continue to be the great professionals that you are. For the few of you who do not appear to be willing to take these violations seriously, the company is hereby placing you on notice that violations impacting the company's overall score can no longer be tolerated. The company will now, upon completion of the investigation, take more serious actions if it is made clear the operator was informed of the rule and chose through his or her actions to place the good reputation of Greyhound and its world-class professional operators at WISC. The top two recent violations are logs and speeding. If you do not know how to do your logs or are not sure if you are doing them correctly, you should talk to your supervisor immediately and get assistance. There is no longer any excuse for not having your logs in compliance. Speeding speaks for itself. All we ask is that you drive within the legal limits and at all times drive safely. In addition to speeding and logs, there are several other common sense areas we need to concentrate on. Your CDL must be up to date and with you at all times. You must have your medical card on you. If you have any medical restrictions that you must be in compliance, corrective lenses are a good example. If you are cushioning, you still have to update your logs. In order to reduce our overall risk, operators should expect the company to conduct random audits. We will expect full and professional compliance with the audit process. In addition, violations found during the audits will be considered just as significant as a CSA violation. Please do not place your employment status at risk by failing to follow the rules. It is unfortunate that we must resort to stronger discipline to fix issues that are for the most part well known and easily controlled by the individual involved. It is clearly the company's preference that this matter be corrected, our operators remain employed for many years to come, and that the reputations of Greyhound and the professional Greyhound operator continue to be recognized as world class. Sincerely, Myron Watkins. And you know, as he says in the memo, these are things that we know. As drivers, we're aware that we have to do things like come to work prepared. That means we've gotten our proper rest. We have our current up-to-date driver's license and DOT card with us. We have our log updated and keep our log updated throughout the day in compliance with all logging regulations. We perform a complete and proper pre-trip inspection. We document everything on our M7 form in a neat and legible fashion, checking all the boxes as appropriate following all the guidelines there. And as we go through our trip, we update our log at the completion of our trip. We update our M7, we update our M27, and we do all these things that are very basic that we've all been trained to do 
as professional Greyhound drivers. But as he said in the memo, a few operators who don't follow those rules can place all of us in jeopardy, and there's no room for that. We don't want to have that. Right now is a chance for us, as I've said in past podcasts, to shine as the professional operators that we are, the world-class safety record that we have. But unfortunately, uh, some drivers continue to uh, take some shortcuts, if you will, to not perform a complete and proper pre-trip inspection, particularly if at your garage location. If you're at a garage location, there is no reason not to complete your pre-trip inspection in the same manner as if you were not at a garage location. But some of our drivers feel that if the bus has come out of a garage, the mechanics have already done a check on it, and why should we have to do it again? Why should we do the mechanic's job? We don't do anything differently. We perform our pre-trip in the same way. And just like Myron Watkins said, I'll say the same thing. If you have questions about logs, if you have questions about pre-trip or anything else, please don't hesitate to consult your supervisor. Please talk to your local driver instructor. We all want to be in compliance. We want to have positive CSA scores. And also, some of you may not realize it, but the public has the ability to check the CSA scores for any transportation company at any time. And there actually is an app that you can get for your smartphone. I have it for my iPad where you can check these things as well. And right now our scores have gotten a little bit close to the threshold and in certain areas like driver fitness where we don't want to have that. So please, again, to all of our operators, let's be the professionals that we've been trained to be and do our job the way we're supposed to. And one other thing I want to reiterate that he mentioned and that the safety department mentioned is that speeding can be a concern. We have to drive within the legal limits so that we don't draw unnecessary attention to ourselves and become the focus of a roadside inspection. Okay, a um, couple other things I'd like to mention before we uh, end this podcast, and that is the um, October 29th of this year deadline is approaching, and that is a, a significant date because according to the Americans with Disabilities Act, that date will require all of our buses to be lift-equipped 100% of our fleet. We're currently at 80%. And there are some questions about passengers arriving uh, who need uh, accessibility equipment, who, who need us to operate the lift, to deploy the lift in order to accommodate them, to board them on our buses. Uh, what's going to happen when they don't give advance notice? Now, we don't know the answer to that question at this point. Um, all we can do is continue to, to provide that high level of service that we've always provided. And that means that all of our operators, as well as our ticket agents, our baggage handlers, our customer service, our leads, uh, all of our employees need to be well-versed in lift operation. They need to know how to service our customers with disabilities. Um, and we have to provide the highest level of service as we have in the past. So if you feel as if you're not 100% confident in operating that lift, get with your local manager, uh, get with a driver instructor in your area, and I believe we're going to have a round of training, you may have already had it by the time you listen to this podcast, to remind us about operating the lift. And along with that actual operation, the physical side of it, there's also the customer service, the human aspect of it. We have to provide a high level of service, as I said. Um, some of the things that we want to do when servicing customers with disabilities include uh, don't make assumptions, never make assumptions, always make an offer of assistance, and wait for that offer to be accepted. That gives your the passenger, that gives the customer a chance to spell out exactly what he or she will need in the course of their trip. And a good example of that would be if we someone came to us that was in a wheelchair. The first thing that we want to do is to greet that passenger and ask them 
if we can assist them, if they need any assistance, because many of our drivers in some cases will simply deploy the lift, and it's not always necessary. Sometimes that passenger is able to board on their own. We don't want to make assumptions, and we want to communicate with our passengers to find out exactly what kind of help and assistance we can provide. And I'd like to talk finally about some fixed object collisions. We've talked about that so many times in the past on the podcast, and I mention it again because the company is in the midst of an aggressive program to both purchase new equipment and refurbish our current buses, and the fleet at this point is looking more and more like a new fleet every day. And since we have that new fleet, we need to drive without damaging these buses. And that means we have to be careful. Basic things that we've talked about in the podcast, things that you've learned in your training as a driver, like proper mirror adjustment and usage. Obviously, we want to employ our five keys, always uh, keep our eyes moving and getting the big picture. We want to scan the entire area, be aware of our surroundings, achieve that 360-degree circle of awareness. And also, if you're backing, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast, if you must back, back slowly, keep your eyes moving, and always use a ground guide. We always try to avoid backing whenever possible because backing is inherently dangerous. So if you must back up, use a guide, back slowly, and be aware of your surroundings. Don't forget about the front and the sides of your vehicle because oftentimes we get focused on the rear only and we forget about that lateral movement, that swinging of the front of the vehicle. If you're turning to the left, for example, the back of the bus is going to the left, the front of the bus is swinging sharply to the right in some cases. So don't forget about the front and the sides. And again, um, the company is in the process of, we've just put an order in for 60 new coaches. Uh, this was about uh, two to three weeks ago. I spoke with Mike Walker. And it's just an aggressive campaign to purchase new equipment and to refurbish our current equipment. And we want that fleet to be looking outstanding. Well, that's all I have for this month. If you would like to listen to previous episodes, they're available to both listen and download all the way back to the beginning. And the easiest way to do that is to visit my Facebook page. You can search me out on Facebook at Ronnie Greer. That's R-O-N-N-I-E-G-R-E-H-E-R. And I can send you the links. You can see them on my page. Or if you'd like to send me an email, that would be Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, 13211 at gmail.com. Please feel free to send me any suggestions, any comments. I can email you the links as well. Everyone have a safe and pleasant trip. I look forward to talking to you again in about a month.